Hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark. Uh, with me uh, this week, uh, special guest, Gavin Ver. Hey, so excited to be here. Glad to be talking to all the fun dirtles out there. Yeah, uh, this is a really, it's really, first off, thank you for coming. Uh, it's it's a blast to, ha to have somebody uh, so that gets to design cards to talk with. So this is uh, super fun for me because I have a lot of questions. I actually paneled the uh, Legacy subreddit uh, to get some uh, really good questions uh, to ask you about about Legacy. Awesome. I mean, I love Legacy. Huge fan of the format. I've been playing it for a long time, and so always happy to you know be part of the conversation. I guess the first the first question I, I'd like to ask a uh, personal question of mine is. Uh, when you play Legacy, what decks do you do you uh, to, uh, sort of uh, move towards? Well, I've always loved combo decks. So I, you know, Storm and Dredge. The Dredge is a little less popular than it used to be. Like Storm and Dredge are things I've always loved to play. Um, but I'll play whatever. And one of the great things about it, Legacy is the format is so varied. You can bring stuff that's kind of out of date and still do well with it. Right? Like I'll, I'll sling Enchantress sometimes or whatever from feeling it. So there's a good variety of things. But yeah, I always love a good combo deck. And once you spend all the time to learn how to play like a Doomsday Storm deck, you're like, all right, that's that's hundreds of hours of my life. Let's not like go too far away from this, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so I love those kind of decks. It's also just the kind of decks you can take advantage of if your opponent's in, in a rough space and you know they're not always um, if your opponent gets a rough draw or whatever you're just like in a really good shape you can just get decks. there yeah so I, I do like it but I'll play, play whatever I've played some very bad legacy decks historically too so I mean I'll, I'll do I started it. with Merfolk so I, I totally get it <laughs> um, so this is uh, this is a not not legacy related uh, question this, this is uh, a, a question of mine that I uh, I kind of conjured when I saw uh, what was going on with uh, with March of the Machine uh, so the Neon Dynasty set in Kamigawa, basically uh, you were able to take uh, Kamigawa and give it the like heel face turn uh, to take a, a plane that was, was relatively maligned based on design alone. And uh, the team turned that into one of the most beloved sets in, in, in Magic the Gathering's history. Um, Homelands win. It's <laughs> uh, a question about Kamigawa or is it a question about Homelands? It's a question about Agrotha, actually. Yeah, yeah. Okay, very so, good. Well, so yeah. I, I'll kind of give you some background here. So with Kamigawa, players have asked for, like, when the set came out, it was not super popular because um, just the cards weren't strong, people were used to strong cards, and particularly they were strong compared, or weak compared to what came before it, right? Mirrodin Block was before it, so comparatively they did not look very strong. Well, you know, years and years go by, this thing called Commander becomes larger and larger. And suddenly these legends matter a lot. And the world's pretty cool. People love Japanese-inspired worlds. And so we decided we wanted to do a Japanese-inspired world. And some people wanted it to be Kamigawa. Some people did not want it to be Kamigawa. So what we did is we started designing the set and then kind of decided what felt natural. And what really felt natural was, hey, let's do Kamigawa again. Let's go back to this, this great world. But let's update it. Let's bring it into the modern age. Let's bring some of that cool like neon, neon setting, I guess, right? And then um, you still have to have the great history and tradition and the spirits and everything. But also some of the new tech, so it's kind of a new, a new vibe at it, and it worked out great. It worked out really good. Algrotha, I would love. I'm a huge Algrotha fan. I think that the story is actually very compelling, even though the cards are very weak. Yes. Once again, the story is very compelling. Well, um, correct me if I'm wrong. The, the entire idea of that set was it was inspired specifically by story. Right. Yeah. yeah Story-driven yeah. set. Absolutely. Um, I'd love to do it someday. Uh, we'll see what happens. I think I think what we're doing right now is kind of fun. Is we're showing you like a little bit more growth, right? Like yeah. we just saw it on a um, battle card, for example. Yeah, grandmother's in gear. Exactly. Yeah. March the machine. So giving you people's little taste to kind of see if they like it or not, how people's vibe is on it, and then if there's enough appetite, maybe we'll go back and do it again, right? With Kamigawa, you'll note that in the past several years, we've done some cards and commander decks and so on and so forth, inspired by Kamigawa. We had ninjas and Modern Horizons that yeah. taught us a lot about things. So you know, if there's People like these smaller growth little tidbits, it will do more, and then maybe eventually that'll someday blossom to a full set. But 
I want to know what Baron Sangir and Autumn Willow are up yeah. to. So I'm yeah. on board. Uh, I, I mean, you have a vote for me immediately. Like that's, right. you know. My... Have a vote for me too. So that's yeah. two votes, two votes so far. <laughs> two votes. Uh, all right, uh, so the idea of an epilogue set is something that uh, it's kind of the first time we've seen in Magic the Gathering's history. Uh, getting sort of, uh, you know, just tied the whole room together sort of thing. Is that something you guys are thinking about doing in the future again, like a smaller set that just kind of gives you an epilogue? Well, yeah, so I mean, I think, you know, Marston Machine is a huge story. It's gigantic. And one of the things we wanted to be able to show was how does what happened to Marston Machine impact everywhere else, right? And Marsh has so much ground to cover. I mean, the set is jam-packed. There just wasn't a good way to show off, hey, here's the aftermath of everything. Um, and, well, that's why we came up with aftermath. So that you, very much the set story could end and then release something that's kind of like, oh, okay, here's what's happening at the tail end of this story. Um, we're all kind of waiting to see how aftermath does and, you know, how it's received. Um, and then we'll kind of go from there. Of course, we've talked about it for, for future sets, but whether or not it will come out for future sets, it's hard to say. Um, okay, this is a this is a specifically for me question. Yeah. Uh, so, Magic's been doing a really great job at representation, uh, show, giving giving everybody a this is the person I see is me in this card. When are we gonna get a bald guy with glasses? <laughs> no, I'm, 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 something I've talked a lot about um, to our creative team. They're doing an amazing job at different kinds of representation. I mean, they are killing it right now, and I really appreciate what they've been doing, especially with upcoming Lord of the Rings set. They made some really great choices there. I think uh, you're absolutely right that representation is more than just, um, you know, it's more than just color of skin or um, or gender, but a lot of the body type and a lot of other things factor into that too, right? Now, I can't say that, you know, balding with glasses is necessarily <laughs> the highest thing on our list to I hit, understand. but I do think in time it's really important to hit all kinds of different uh, styles of characters. And for example, something you've started to see, I mean, maybe not a Planeswalker, but we've seen some glasses in the artwork of cards in the not in recently, right? And that's something that we didn't see a lot of previously to show, oh yeah. Not since Urza's glasses. <laughs> there yeah. you go. So like, it's not, uh, totally not off the table to see something like that in the future. And I hope we get to, you know, over time, show off so many different kinds of styles of people. So, uh, I, this I, is, we want some snappy dress people yeah, too. Yeah, Bob exactly, Nicholas, please. Bob Nicholas in a suit, man. Yeah, that was, oh, that was yeah great. amazing. Um, okay, so this is this last one's. Uh, it was the most upvoted question uh, in in the uh, in the legacy subreddit. Wow, I'm, I'm ready for a heater right here. And yeah, this is a heater. Um, what can be done about the play draw disparity in in legacy? Well, that's a bigger question than legacy. That, that's a yeah. question for all of Magic, right? I mean, the thing. So of course, the more powerful your deck becomes, the more of a disparity you end up with on the play and the draw, right? In standard, there's a play draw disparity as well to some degree, I believe. But it's much less because the decks are just way less powerful to capitalize on a yeah. lot. When you're in a format that where games can end on the first couple of turns, that play draw disparity matters a ton. We've talked many times about should we do something different for play and draw, right? Because in the same way we changed the mulligan rule to be a mulligan in a different way, we could very much change how the play draw rule works, right? Right now you get a, an additional card basically drawn the draw. Could you, you start with a treasure token in play? Could you draw two cards on the first turn? Like there's all kinds of stuff you could do. We have not. We, I'm not sure we're going to do anything, and I'm also not going to say that we've cracked the code on what it could be yet, but it's always in the discussion. Yeah, that's great we, we to can know. modify yeah. and, and work on. Um, I know commanders ask for that a lot, too, of like, in a four-player game, the player to the right is just three turns behind everybody else, right? So um, it's on the table, certainly not against doing it, and we can easily change the game rules and make it happen uh, if we found a good solution. One other thing that we've tried, and I've never made it to print, uh, except for one mystery booster card, is... Um, cards that have a different effect if you're on the draw versus on the play, right? So okay, cards yeah. that are like, hey, deal two damage. If you were on the draw this game, deal four damage. 
Um, those cards are, you have to be very careful with though because they create very strange incentives. Yes, um, yes. Right? Like imagine if there's a lightning bolt that dealt four if you're on the draw, suddenly decks are like fighting to be on the draw or something, which is interesting, that, that but also maybe not the direction to go down. Yeah. Right? So. There was a point in time where if you were if you were the control blue deck, you were like, you know, playing first is a thing, but like I do need that extra card. You know, and that for a while there was a there was a debate there. There's no longer a debate currently at all about about that. Right, so it would be it would be interesting. There have been niche times where it's right to go on the draw. Mono red mirrors in some formats you want to be on the draw. Grindy mid range mirrors you occasionally want to be on the draw. But basically the incentive isn't that high enough right now to think to encourage it. Um, but finding it's, it's such a narrow balance to walk, right? Because yeah. you, you you know right now everyone favors play, but you add in a little extra cookie for going on the draw, and suddenly it's like. Imagine you've got a treasure token for being on the draw. On the draw, suddenly it's like, oh well, I want, I want to play my two drop on the first turn, and you know, or get extra mana. And it would kind of change the calculus deck. for sure. Yeah, I mean, suddenly maybe you accidentally push it too far to the other edge. So a lot of stuff you have to think about very carefully there. Not to mention the synergies that happen with a treasure token, as one example. Right? Yeah. Suddenly your artifact deck gets an additional boost. So um, a lot of interesting discussions to be had. Yeah. That actually uh, just popped another question into my head. So uh, with the advent of Modern Horizons two. We saw uh, a, a relatively new deck to the to a format that doesn't normally get a new top tier deck, uh, in eight cast um, with with Urza Saga. Is that something you guys think about when when you're designing? Is like, will this create a new deck type that like is compatible with the with the other top tier decks? I mean, we definitely talk about cards for Legacy a lot when we're designing sets, especially Horizons level sets where they're going to have cards for Legacy. The challenge is going to be with Legacy being such a wide card pool, and it's so hard to know what's going to hit, what's not going to hit. It's like, we can theorize about it, but it's very hard to like know for sure anything's gonna happen, right? But there's all kinds of cards that we've aimed and been like, this might have a chance in Legacy, small chance, we'll see if it hits or not. Um, and sometimes it does, more than often than not, it doesn't. But I don't think Legacy wants cards hitting all no, the time anyway, yeah, yeah, right? Like yeah. we saw the, of course, the initiative decks uh, last year really caused problems in Legacy. Those were not cards that were targeted at all towards Legacy, we did talk about them, yeah. and uh, they made a much larger splash than we, we anticipated, so. All right, well, I, uh, that's it for me as far as questions are concerned. Uh, thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. And thanks to all of you for playing Legacy as well. It's a great format, and I appreciate you all supporting it, so thank you. All right, have a good one, everybody.